Hello and welcome to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect, the podcast and video series of Cargo Facts, the newsletter of record for the air cargo and freighter aircraft industries for over 40 years. I'm Jeff Lee, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts, and today we're joined by Charles Goffman, Senior Editor of Cargo Facts, and Jim Edgar, Senior Consultant at Cargo Facts Consulting. Thank you to both for joining us today. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. This week, SpiceJet announced its plans to transfer its entire logistics business to Spice Express, which until recently had been a wholly owned subsidiary of the low-cost carrier. The proposed transfer resembles similar moves by other combination carriers, including (laughs) Turkish Airlines, which is in the process of spinning out Turkish cargo as a standalone unit. In this episode, we'll look back at cargo's standing within combination carrier business models and will reflect on how these changing structures could affect investment in freighters. Now, Jim, over the course of your long career, you've dealt with many of the Asian combination carriers with significant freighter fleets. During these interactions with them, what did you make of the way they viewed cargo and a freighter division? My experience, Jeff, uh, is that um, pre-COVID, it was really a matter of a concern regarding emphasis and uh, focus and leverage and priority for cargo. It's no secret that uh, cargo can be very profitable, but by the same token, it does take resources and it takes um, uh, attention uh, because it is a distinctly different business. So I think in general, because each carrier is different, each has different considerations, but in general, it's fair to say that um, mostly what drove the um, the independence and uh, the standalone approach uh, being considered at the, the larger uh, Asian carriers with freighter fleets um, was uh, to be able to really put a focus and even work potentials PL um, more closely so that they really had a handle on how cargo was performing, uh, ran it a little bit tighter, but really concentrated on it as a a standalone business and profit center uh, versus just another uh, industry segment. So I I think it's fair to say that was the pre-COVID motivation for carriers considering uh, standalone and uh, breaking off from the uh, corporate umbrella. Right, and obviously things have changed uh, dramatically in the the past year and a half. And, you know, how, how does all this affect what these airlines are thinking about what to do with their cargo units? Well, it's fair to say that because of the the uh, traffic and uh, demand and uh, the profit, frankly, uh, from cargo, uh, that you'd be hard pressed to find an airline that hasn't um, re-examined their approach in detail. And of course, we see a lot of carriers that abandoned freighters 30 years ago and now are getting back into the freighter business. And that doesn't even count the praters. Um, So I think that it's indicative that uh, anybody in the air transportation business uh, now has cargo, air cargo firmly in its sights and is trying to figure out um, how to optimize and uh, maximize um, their cargo operations. So that particular motivation that drove standalone and uh, 
uh, hiving off the cargo operation from the rest of the uh, airline uh, probably isn't as big a factor because it's got everybody's attention now. And in the past couple of years, we've seen several airlines carving out the cargo businesses into standalone divisions um, and even having some of their own employees hold, hold stakes in the business. Charles, we've seen this happen in mainland China recently, haven't we? Yeah, that is that is definitely the case with the big three Chinese carriers beginning back in, in 2017. Uh, the, the government really took this major initiative to push for what they refer to as mixed ownership reforms uh, for state-owned enterprises, including uh, China Eastern Airlines, Air China, and China Southern Airlines, at least the, the cargo divisions of, of these three carriers. And so we saw China Eastern Airlines really take the lead um, in, in pursuing these reforms uh, beginning in, in 2017. The Parent airline, China Eastern Airlines, transferred full ownership of, of Eastern Air Logistics, the, the, the cargo uh, division, into a, a separate subsidiary uh, within the, the same group. And then since then, we've seen the holding company lower its stake in, EL, in Eastern Air Logistics, leaving for private investors, uh, which now hold, or which had until actually a, a recent IPO that was just completed in, in June of 2021. They, they held stakes in the company. And, and yes, with, uh, with China Eastern as well, we saw core staff of, of the cargo division holding on to, to stakes in the, the company. So an interesting model there. And we've since seen China Southern undertake similar uh, steps with its, with its logistics division. Uh, and, and Air China is in the process, but ha has not made as, as much momentum. But certainly, um, with this, this new company, we see outside investment and, and really, you know, some interesting developments in terms of what these, these new companies are, are, are doing. So it's, it's no longer solely about transportation of, of cargo and, and the sales, the sales and marketing process uh, in China or in Eastern Air Logistics case where we're seeing the company go out and, and, and trade um, and, and some, you know, that the company is adding other services to to its portfolio uh, now that it is a, a standalone company. Jim, uh, how, what what do you think might be the the role and the importance of having sort of outside investment in the cargo business of these airlines? Well, first of all, I think it provides some amount of resources that maybe the uh, corporate uh, would be reluctant to allocate. I think it uh, also offers an opportunity for uh, business relationships, uh, expansion, uh, broadening uh, the network. Um, with a standalone, of course, um, and it depends on how it's structured, but with a standalone, you have the opportunity not just for additional equipment, but you're not necessarily constrained by the uh, the root network um, of the parent carrier, and uh, oftentimes uh, carriers' uh, standalone operations uh, are then much more free to establish uh, routes and segments and service where the demand actually exists. So um, th there seems to be when. Um, I mean, one of the downsides of, of being under a corporate umbrella, and there are significant upsides to it, um, but one of the downsides is that 
the uh, cargo operation is always subject to the final decision by uh, people that maybe aren't as uh, attuned or knowledgeable on what's happening in the market. So when you have outside investors, uh, that establishes a, a level of independence and uh, flexibility and opportunity that maybe keeping it in-house uh, wouldn't afford. Right, but then you would still be to some degree relying on, on the belly network of the, the main passenger airline, wouldn't you? Yeah, and certainly there's synergies, obviously, between the passenger and, you know, I remember very vividly, uh, Ram Menon uh, said that uh, uh, freighters, freighters at Emirates Sky Cargo um, were there to feed the bellies. So, you know, it's sort of a, a unexpected way of uh, viewing it, but really that's the case. Um, but uh, the, the airline, the previous parent, uh, the passenger operation then becomes uh, a resource and uh, in some sense, a customer for the uh, cargo operation, um, along with a lot of other potentials in terms of capacity. So, you know, th there, is a, it, there is some synergy in working very closely with the passenger. And in the past, there's been routes and segments, uh, passenger routes and segments that were um, financially sustained because of cargo. They could not operate that passenger segment were it not cargo. That's the case all over. So, yeah, the more independent it gets and the more standalone it gets, the more that you potentially lose that, um, that kind of working together. So there's a lot of pluses and minuses and each carrier is very, very different. And it really has to do with corporate culture and priorities and how they uh, view uh, cost allocation. There's a whole range of issues. It can become very complex, but very individualized um, in terms of what a decision is ultimately made regarding standalone versus an integrated operation with passengers. Right, because we, I mean, some cargo units have been standalone for, for a very long time. But on the other hand, we seem to be seeing other airlines that are kind of grappling with, with what to do with the cargo business. For example, I mean, Singapore Airlines cargo used to be a separate division. And in, I, I think in 2017, they kind of reincorporated that into the, the main Singapore Airlines group. And, and not to get uh, too specific here, but uh, recall that uh, uh, Mr. Go, the head of the entire Singapore group now, um, used to be head of cargo. So he well understands the opportunities and potential for cargo. And it I'm speculating, but it may be that that uh, plays into bringing Singapore cargo back in-house because Mr. Go. Uh, really uh, appreciates and is very, very knowledgeable in the business. And that's, that's a huge help for the overall corporate structure to have somebody in that position that really understands cargo and has actually done it. So that's kind of a unique situation, but uh, it's very interesting at the same time. It is interesting. So Charles, do you think we'll continue to see more of these carving out of the cargo businesses and you know does this hint at potential further growth of freighter fleets around the world yeah that's a great question i, I think uh, as i mentioned air china certainly is is pursuing a mixed ownership reform and so we'll see 
um, you know, a continued restructure of their cargo business moving forward. Uh, in terms of you know how how these changes impact the you know the the freighter fleet operating within the the broader group, we have seen uh, both. China Southern and 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 China Cargo Airlines, the uh, the freighter arm of uh, you know what was uh, what what did belong to China Eastern, move forward and in, with investments into uh, new build triple seven freighters. So so both carriers have added added a pair of triple sevens since uh, since 2019. Air China meanwhile hasn't really made any significant investments in into freighters. Um, Jim, what are what are your thoughts uh, in in looking back at some of these evolving carrier business models over the years? How how do I mean how do you, you see these decisions uh, affecting uh, fleet trajectories and, and the ability of a company to to justify investments in, in freighters? Well, again, I think uh, pre-COVID, it was a matter of understanding cargo, and cargo was, I don't want to use a cliche, but I will, uh, a kind of a poor stepchild to the rest of the company too often. And those of us in the business understood that was a terrible uh, misunderstanding and mistake. Since then, that's not the case. So um, regarding fleet, I, I can't imagine that in this environment, with all that's happened, that anybody will underestimate cargo again. I mean, it's just been too significant and uh, too strategic to the overall. So relative to fleet, though, uh, it's interesting that there are carriers that uh, whenever we would go in a sales campaign, we would, um, of course, emphasize the synergy of sort of a common fleet. Um, but at some point, because of the fleet sizes, that doesn't become a, an important financial consideration. So People like Lufthansa didn't have any MD-11 passengers ever in their fleet, passenger aircraft, did very well with their freighters. Uh, Cathay Pacific never had any 47-8Is in their fleet, done very well with the dash 8F. Uh, but uh, I, I think there's a lot more appetite for financing. There's a lot uh, more scrutiny on um, the exact, more planning, more analysis uh, on um, uh, what fleet types will really work. We have carriers that never would have thought about operating narrow body freighters in the past that are doing that now as part of, you know, they're mostly a, a largely a wide body passenger fleet. So it, it's just fascinating to see this unfold before our eyes and the uh, so many dynamics in play at the same time and things that were heretofore uh, never would have happened um, now are happening. So I think it's it's uh, definitely thinking out of the box. And for every carrier, it's a matter of how can we take advantage of this tremendous opportunity to uh, become involved in the air cargo segment of the business. So it, it's just a whole new world for the last year and a half. And I think it's going to be exciting to track this and follow it and analyze it and think about and talk to people and uh, all that goes on in our business uh, uh, as we move forward, because uh, uh, the previous models are no longer relevant. Right. I mean, yeah, that's true. And as you as you were saying, we are watching major changes taking place before our eyes, and uh, it's definitely a fascinating time to be 
covering this and if we will of course continue to cover these developments uh, as they happen so thank you so much to you jim for joining us today and thank you to our audience for tuning into this episode of cargo facts connect for more multimedia content like this check out cargofacts.com and search cargo facts connect on itunes and spotify join us again next time Bye.